Passionate DJ Podcast, where it's all about becoming a better DJ through passion and purpose. And now, your host, David Michael. Hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome back to the Passionate DJ Podcast. I'm here with my good friend, Tony DeSero. How you doing, man? Good, good. How are you? Pretty good. I'm, of course, your host, David Michael, and we are here for episode 50. Woohoo! I add some clap, clap sounds there. Um, unfortunately, Trip is still not with us today. Boo! Boo! <laughs> Thumbs down emoji. Boo! Um, you guys may or may not know this, but uh, he and I got into a fist fight, and I fired him. And so now, now I'm just playing. Uh, <laughs> he's just in the middle of all of his moving and you know fathering and all that kind of stuff. So, uh, Trip, we miss you, buddy. Um, I told him that he can record some segments on his own and send them in if he gets a, a moment away from cool. all his family biz so yeah hopefully he gets a chance to do that yeah i think he was feeling uh distant and <laughs> missing us <laughs> being on the show oh, he, said he, he said he listened to episode 49 and it was driving him crazy because he wanted to interject stuff and he couldn't <laughs> so we were going to go over some voicemails we've been receiving now i was hoping to bring trip in on this but uh i just wanted to go listen to a couple of these and kind of see where the conversation takes us let's do it so, we had one from DJ Serato. Here's his question. Yo, what's up, guys? And I say guys because I mean that. You three are the bomb diggity. This is DJ Serato calling from Phoenix, Arizona. And yes, it's hot as F out here. <laughs> but, yeah, your question regarding um, what do we struggle with as a DJ? And it's a good question because, for me, I'm a mobile DJ and I just got back into mobile DJing about a year ago because I used to do nightclub promotions and throw my own parties and stuff like that. I took a break because of family, you know, so I raised some kids and now I'm back at it. Man, I'm going to tell you, the biggest struggle for me right now is teardown as a mobile DJ. Jeez, man. Like, there's got to be a freaking better way. Um... My setup's pretty legit. I have a few different setups that I use when I go DJ. And, um, you know, I make pretty decent money doing private events. But, man, if you... I need some tips or something on how to tear down my equipment. And I thought about Googling it, you know, looking at some YouTube videos and some dudes that with some suggestions. But, man, I just really love to hear from you guys on the subject. All right. Talk to you guys later. Take care. Okay, DJ Serato. So I probably have some input on this just from doing my own little mobile gigs, but I only do that very occasionally. I'm willing to bet that Tony's got some input on this from all your stage handling, you know, stage management experience and stuff. Yes, yes. yes. I'm not sure if he's looking for, uh, if you're looking, DJ Serato, for specific tips on the actual physical breakdown of gear or more uh, general tips, but... I know the first thing that comes to my mind is to go like standalone powered uh, speakers rather than so, you know, a lot of people, the traditional setup is the amp, the, you know, the sound source to the amp and then the amp pushes the subs and the tops and you have this whole, you know, mixing board and, and all this stuff going on. Whereas if you get, say, a set of powered speakers with subs, it's a lot easier to set up because you're just plugging that straight into the wall for power and then straight into your mixer, whatever your sound source is. So my tips kind of probably center more around that 
make it simple from the beginning. Now, it could be that that's already your case. I don't know. Do you have any kind of, Tony, specific tips on maybe some things that he can do to make his life easier? So depending on, on what your rig is, I guess if we're, we're doing events in a venue that even we throw events in that doesn't have the uh, required equipment for the DJs that we do bring or myself or you, you know, all of our options are always changing per event. So it seems like it's always a mobile gig. You know, okay, that's fair. Like quote unquote mobile gig. So um, on your teardown, my best advice, I'll base it off of our typical stage setup on our first Friday, um, which is two CDJ 2000 Nexuses, a Pioneer Nexus 900, and um, a powered monitor rig with a sub and a high top. First and foremost, all of the cables that are plugged from CDJ two mixer the rca whether it be usb an ethernet cord or your power cord i always start from unplugging those from the mixer first and then the um the hub you know the ethernet hub the ethernet cord oh, right for uh because you use if pro link to or, link them uh-huh yeah. so i always plug those i keep them plugged in the back of the actual piece of equipment the cdj but I unplug them from the source that they're going to. So if it's going to the mixer, I unplug them from the mixer, um, the power cable from the power strip, the Ethernet link to the link box. So they're still on the CDJ. And then when I go, I go to each piece of equipment and I take each cord out. I wrap them up and I put them with that piece of equipment because the worst thing to do is to go out and spend another, you know, whatever you're spending on Ethernet cords, RCAs, those... Uh, quarter inch all those prices add up and it's just mm-hmm. you know it's it's a dumb move to just leave those behind it happens sure but first and foremost always take your cords and even i think worse than the cost of replacing that stuff is not realizing that you left it until it's really freaking important right until you need it right yeah <laughs> that's happened to me where um, i showed up and I said, oh crap i left that blah 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 at the venue that right. I played at last time, that's long gone by now. You know? If you get used to doing mobile gigs, though, you always take backups of, yeah. of every core just in case something. But it's still, it's an additional cost that you're going to add that you really don't need to. So uh, my best advice is to unplug everything from, you know, the source that it's going to, leave it in back of the actual CDJ, and then go through, get your cords, wrap them up, and put them, you know, set them with that CDJ your power cord from your 900 mixer or whatever your mixer is, if it's a removable power cord, you know, wrap those up and make sure all your cords are set to go before you pack everything in your box mm. um, or your road case. And then from there, once everything is wrapped, then put, go ahead and put it in your road case with those cables. Um, speakers, those are normally, well, yours aren't. They're detachable, but mm-hmm. my speakers are attached to the power cables are, are attached to. So, you know, do the same thing with your quarter inch cables or your XLRs, whichever your speaker wires are. Um, wrap those up, put those with your speakers. You know, that's always my first step of tearing down. Um, now, he didn't really explain his rig either. He just said it's his right. rig is legit. If it's turntables, you know, obviously if they're 1200s or yeah, 1200s. And they're not removable RCAs. You have your RCA, your ground, and your power that are all attached. So that's that. I, I really don't know his rig, so it's hard for me to yeah. explain. Um, next thing, if 
you do make enough money doing the mobile the mobile gig, teardown is always the worst and the last thing that any one of us want to do after DJing for so many hours, whether it be a wedding, a club night. It's it's exhausting any way you look at it. And the last thing you want to do is tear down your equipment. So if you do have, you know, a couple buddies that don't mind helping you, that's that's huge in itself. You know, um, if you don't have that and you can make some extra money from your gig, pay somebody 30 or 40 bucks mm-hmm. to help you tear down. Absolutely. I was definitely going to bring that up. Like if, you know, you're saying that you're making enough money, you're making decent money doing this. So um, it might be in the interest of furthering your business to consider spending a little money, you know, on somebody to to help do these kind of things so that you're able to focus on things that are important to growing your business and not running stuff all the time. Absolutely. So my background is in systems administration. So basically I'm an IT nerd. And even though I don't do that anymore, I can't help but try to see problems like this and systematize and automate anything that I can. So I kind of come at it from that approach. What, you know, you weren't really clear on what was so cumbersome. You know, is it hard on your back is it does it take too much time is it too much to transport at once you know in your car it might be important to say what is it that i actually hate about this problem and then start looking for solutions to those individual problems so if it's um, i get too confused and all my stuff gets mixed up then it might be coming up with a procedure or something like a checklist you know, that you can check off. Um, maybe you just have a lot of, uh, it, maybe it's nerve wracking because you're afraid you're going to forget something or leave something behind. Um, I know that anytime I've ever played a mobile gig and a lot of times, even when I play out somewhere, especially if I'm bringing my own gear, I have this habit that comes from my earlier days in DJing where I'll actually take everything that I'm bringing, tear it down from wherever it is, you know, in my house and my DJ booth and whatever take it to my coffee table or an ottoman or something and <laughs> set it all up and actually literally plug everything in including my headphones and my quarter inch adapter and plugging my controller into power or whatever it is that I'm bringing hooking everything up making sure it works and tearing it back down and putting it straight in my car because and especially if I'm playing you know if I have to drive an hour to the gig or something like that because <laughs> there's not enough time to fix that problem if I forget something so that's good for um, assurance, but it's not good for time, right? So it probably would have been smarter for me to have a checklist that I could just check off everything that I need for this or that type of gig and so on. Um, I kept a separate, I still do keep a separate bag with separate cables. Uh, Tony, you borrowed a set of yeah, monitors from me monitors, the other day. Yeah. I handed you a bag with my separate cables so that all my stuff stayed the way it was. We just unplugged power, unplugged audio loaded the stuff up in the car and I handed you a bag and then you knew exactly what went back in the bag and I do that with um with these guys here I have all Tony's I, looking at his CDJs right now but when I him. leave I, I have an extra bag of the actual power cables yeah you know just to take with me so yeah absolutely and then that way it's just everything that I always need is here you can grab it and go now, Tony, you mentioned something about uh, not knowing what format he was playing on uh-huh. and we can infer that he's probably using serato but that could <laughs> that could be scratch live that could be serato dj with a controller that could be any number of things it could be using cdjs and hid mode so it, we we don't really know this might be obvious but if you are dragging out like a set of 1200s and a heavy mixer and 
all your sound equipment and all that stuff at once, maybe it's worth considering getting smaller gear, getting an all-in-one controller that's compact, that does everything you need it to, and that sort of thing. Obviously, I don't want to tell you how to play, and you know, if you're, like, say, strictly a vinyl DJ and that's the only way you want to play or else you're not going to do it, I understand. We all have our preferences. So, But it's important to just kind of analyze what's most important to you. You know, our co-host Trip talks about this where he's when he switched from primarily playing records to digital or to time code it was just because carrying crates of records to gigs was not treating his back well and it was just a pain you know so he had to decide what was more important to him that might be something that you need to do as well any other tips about uh, any like kind of technical things about how to wrap cables? I know you kind of do the over under wrapping method, which is kind of hard to describe in audio, but I I try and keep mine in more of like a circle, like you yeah, know, like I don't I don't even know what what that is even called. If there's a specific name, and I do it but... too, where you kind of pinch between your index finger and thumb and just kind of wrap it in a circle over and over again. Yes. Yeah, that's about how I do it too, which is, I had somebody in Columbus scold me for doing that and say it's not the right way. Uh. And he's right, because if you if you do it my way and his way and then you drop the cables on the floor, his just unravel beautifully right. and mine turn into a mess. <laughs> <laughs> so there are, you know, maybe you can just YouTube, you know, that if the problem is you just, it's cumbersome to have all those cables and, you know... We're just kind of trying to take stabs in the dark here because we don't know specifics about your rig, but hopefully that helps. If your stuff is too big see, or heavy or whatever that problem is, you know, take on each one of those issues one at a time. Uh, maybe this is a multi-level problem. Maybe your speakers and your subs and your mixer and your whatever, maybe all of it's too big and heavy. And maybe you could just make a couple, you know, make a couple of changes in your setup that will save you 20 minutes every time, you know, that kind of thing. If you are absolutely married to the setup that you have and you don't want to change it and you really are making good money, you know, doing this thing, hire it out. Absolutely. I'm sure you could get, you know, somebody who's either interested in being, uh, if you're interested in mentoring, you know, a younger possible up and coming DJ, they might be interested in doing that. You could probably get some free or cheap labor out of them that way. But um, it's it's really it's worth hiring out, I think, especially if you're doing this as a business and this is a source of income for you to write off. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, great. Hopefully that was helpful. And And by the way, thank you for the bomb diggity comment. Yes, absolutely. We definitely appreciate it. I'm sure Trip does as well. So thank you very much for the kind words. We had a voicemail from Jeremy. How's it going, David? Uh, I just want to introduce myself real quick. I go by the name of Jason. I'm from San Diego, California, and right now I'm at the phase of uh, marketing myself. Um, I'm in the process of building my website logo and some other stuff, and I'm not planning to launch my brand until July 15th. Um, when I do launch my brand, I was hoping that maybe you could take a look at my website and give me some feedback on what you like and what you think I should improve on. Um, other than that, I had a couple of questions I wanted to ask you. Uh, the first one is for the DJs who've made it that have a huge following, um, was it required for them to register their DJ name as a business? So that's been on my mind for quite a while now. And lastly, um, building up a team. So it sounds kind of crazy, but I'm trying to get up to Skrillex's level. And I know that he has a team that got him to where he is today. Like, 
you know, a manager, production director, uh, lighting director, booking agent, you know, all that stuff. So I'm, I'm curious to know if you've been through the experience where you recruited people or if you know of anyone who had to recruit people for different positions. And if so, um, what were the uh, positions that you hired them for and what were the results? So, yeah, man, uh, keep doing what you're doing and I uh, hope to hear from you soon. See ya. Okay, Jason. Hey, um, first of all, let me just say, absolutely, if you want to send us a link, uh, either email it to me or Facebook it or however you want to get it to us. Uh, when you get your new website up and running, I'll gladly take a look and give you my thoughts. I'm sure the other guys will as well. You know, let you know what we think. The first question about registering your DJ name as a business. I guess the first thing that I should say is that I am not a lawyer and we are in passionate DJ.com is not responsible for blah, 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 blah. So <laughs> we, in other words, don't take our legal advice because we are not qualified to give that. I've never done that. I've just always operated as myself or whatever moniker, but I've also never used DJing as a primary source of income. I would venture to say that all of those brands because skrillex is a brand tiesto is a brand swedish sure. house mafia like dead mouse all these guys are brands it's it's their dj name yes but they are brands and, and again like david said you know we're not lawyers we're don't take our legal advice but i would be willing to bet they would definitely have to trademark their brand um tiesto and i'm just throwing a name out there because he's been the biggest brand in you know electronic music and a lot you know for a long time him skrillex all these guys there is a team behind those guys absolutely but that brand itself tiesto just does not is not that one person right tiesto is tiesto stage man or not stage man i'm sorry production manager ld all tiesto is is a corporation uh right. skrillex is a corporation um it's not just that one person that steps on stage. There, There's a lot behind that. I would say 99.9% that, yes, they do trademark their names. Yes, they do register that business with whatever state or whatever country they're from, whatever their laws are. I would venture to say that those names are registered, trademarked. Yes. And, it, you know, it, it might be important to kind of clarify, is that what are we talking about trademarking? Are we talking about forming an LLC because those accomplish two different things. Well, he said his, his DJ name yeah. or his brand, his logo. I see. I, I, I don't know if Skrillex, when he first became Skrillex before he was making six, seven figures for a show, if he branded the name or if he um, registered the name Skrillex yeah. as an LLC or, you know, he could have been, you know, speaking in United States, you know, he could have registered the name Skrillex with that, with whatever state, or he could have been Sonny, whatever his last name is, sole proprietor doing business as Skrillex. Right. There's a million ways to go about it. So I don't know if he did it right off of the get or once he saw. I'd say if you're, I mean, if you're concerned about it, sure, go for it. But you could probably also cross that bridge when you get there. Because like, well, let's just let's go ahead and address the the last part. Don't we all want to get to Skrillex's level, even if that's not the type of music we play? We, you know, most of us as as performers would love to have the access to audience 
that someone like Skrillex does. Does Skrillex have a team? I guarantee it. Oh, yeah. I've worked with Skrillex's team a couple times. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So absolutely. I mean, to, to just directly answer the, the question, yes, there are times where a team is necessary to, I mean, if you're touring at the level of somebody like that, you don't have time to also be your web designer and your uh, design your logo and set up, tear down your gear and book shows. And, you know, that's why all these other job positions You're at that exist. level. You step off of the bus and you do maybe a sound check if you want or your TM, which is your tour manager, will do the sound check for you. So realistically, you step off the bus, you step on the stage, you play, you get back on the bus. Yeah. <laughs> you know, now, when you're are, at that level. Yeah. Now, that doesn't mean that there aren't levels in between say what we are and what Skrillex is, (laughs) whatever we are versus that. There are people that still, you know, in the middle there that like to sort of micromanage Mm -hmm. every piece of their own brand. Mm -hmm. Um, And there's nothing wrong with that. You know, it's just you have to realize what you're getting into that there's, you know, there's a lot to that. I um I actually kind of want to, I want to go back on my last comment when I said Skrillex steps off the bus. The last show that we did do with him, he actually had his own meeting with the security staff. It was super cool, super nice. It was just like, hey, people are going to rage out. They're going to crowd surf. Just make sure everybody's cool. You know, <laughs> I don't want to get, I don't want to throw anybody out. He was super cool about nice. it. But yeah, he's, he's actually a really, really nice guy. So That's cool. I don't want to just say Skrillex steps off of a bus and steps on a right. stage. <laughs> gotcha. You know? Yeah, yeah. Yes, absolutely. A team is necessary when you're at that level because there, no one human could just do that. All of that work and the performance. And I mean, you would just literally, it would kill you. <laughs> but I, I feel like if you're truly getting to that point, you're going to, fi- once again, you're going to figure that out once you get there. I mean, that let's take one problem at a time, right? If somebody hands you an audience of a million people, then let's revisit this question. And I don't mean that to sound like a jerk, you know, but that's looking at this at a way, 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 way macro level. And it is not time for that. If he's looking at this, though, Jason, if you're looking at this as a, on a business level and you, you have every intention of taking this and getting this to Skrillex's level, then yes, definitely trademark your brand, your logo, uh, create whatever, style of business you want whether it be a corporation an llc a sole proprietor all that stuff you'll have to look up on your own how to do if you do plan on taking it to that level and and absolutely go ahead and do all that stuff now i would because it doesn't cost really that much sure and 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 why not you know and i i hope my comments aren't taken the wrong way i just you know i'm not trying to to discourage by saying let's take one problem at a time here but you know, if you if you build your audience, you're going to learn along the way how to manage that. You know what Absolutely. I mean? That's, and it's I might even say the only way or at least the best way is to just do it one step at a time, because you're looking at this whole conversation assumes that you have the chops. Right. Let's just make that that's a given. Let's say that, you're, you know, that's the skill set is there and, and we're all good. Then it becomes a marketing problem and just straight hustle. You know, it's going to come to having to, you know, whatever your approach is, whether that's just playing a lot of gigs or producing songs and whatever that stuff. It's you've got to grind for a while before before we're worrying about building a team, mm-hmm. right? That being said, building it, you can build a team at any level. For example, you know, I've got Tony and Trip on my team here for Passionate DJ. 
Tony and Billy have a team for three-dimensional entertainment. That doesn't mean don't get people to help. You know, the best thing that I did was bring, for this show was bring Tony and Trip in, and it's been great. I'm just saying, let's not count our chickens before they hatch. Let's worry about building an audience. Let's worry about that, you know, this more micro-level stuff. And as you do that, one step at a time, you're going to learn a little bit here and a little bit there. I mean, you're, you're basically asking, how do I handle being a big famous DJ? And if I knew the answer to that question, I might not be talking on this microphone right now at the touring. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I, I don't feel qualified to necessarily answer how Skrillex does it. But I bet that it was one step at a time. So that was kind of where my comment was coming from. Just like with the last question, I'm absolutely in favor of if you if you are at a point where you are working on it too much and it's taking away from your creative energy, absolutely hire something out. Even if it's just hiring an assistant or whatever it is that you need help with, a designer or that sort of thing, maybe even temporary jobs, absolutely hire them out. We, we're not superhuman. We can't do everything all the time. And if we try to do that, we overexert ourselves and we we lose the creative energy, which is kind of the whole point. I, I have noticed, too, working with a couple tours in the past, sometimes on, on different tours, you have the same tour manager, the same lighting director mm-hmm. as a complete different DJ, but those teams of guys all work, I don't know if it's for the actual booking agency or the management team that manages all those DJs. I don't, I, I but I'm, I've seen those guys on multiple tours, different acts, but same agency. So I think, you know, also, you know, if you get to a level, a Skrillex level or, you know, said DJ level, that sometimes those booking agents work with specific teams. They have teams ready to go and send on the road with you because, Mm. you know, they've already worked with those guys. They know what they're doing. So, yeah, it's all outsourced via agency or management company, whichever, you know, so that's always an option as well. You know, the other thing is I kind of had a conversation with my younger brother the other day. We were kind of talking about some, and he was talking about job options and stuff that he had unrelated to DJing. And, um, you know, I said something like, you know, this is the age of the side hustle. The tools are all there. You know, if we need design work done, it's a Google search away. If we need, voiceover work done or DJ drops or whatever it is or an EPK it's a Google search or a Facebook ad away I mean the stuff is just out there it's everywhere Mm -hmm. and no matter what you need you can find somebody to do it I'm the type and I know Tony you're definitely the type that likes to work with people that you know really well oh yeah you know build a trust relationship and that sort of thing and if you have family type yeah Mm -hmm. yeah and if you have that kind of a network or even just a person or two and they have a skill set that you can utilize yeah, absolutely. Toss them some money to help you out or, you know, barter system or help each other out. Maybe you've got something you can do for them. It's hard for me to not picture this at a kind of a smaller local level because that's what I'm familiar with. Mm-hmm. And that's just how it works here. You know, right. It's a, the village to raise a child kind of concept. <laughs> you know, I don't know what it's like to manage Skrillex and his team. You know, I I just don't feel qualified to to really give solid advice on that. But bringing it down to where I feel like I'm at. Yeah, I have no problem with, with hiring stuff out, and it, sometimes you don't even need to hire things out. Sometimes it's it's just 
whatever you need was a web service or something you needed to to buy once and it's taken care of. I mean, it's, there's so many creative minds that are in and out of the DJ space or design space or web space and whatever. You can do whatever you want. There's nothing holding anyone back at all, you know, from whatever it is that you need done that you don't have time to do. So, yeah, b- build a team whenever you feel it's worth it for you to spend the money or exchange goods or time or whatever. Whenever you feel it's worth it, it's worth it, in my opinion. Any more thoughts for Jason? That's, that's about it, man. Thanks for the question. Dude. Yeah, absolutely. We really appreciate you sending that in. We uh, hope you keep on listening. And actually, if you do get to a point where you're starting to build a team, maybe you can send another voicemail in and follow up and tell us how, you know, maybe give us some more specifics or tell you what, tell us what you've started doing. But because I'm curious to know what launch, what you mean by launching your brand. You said July 15th, July 15th. you're launching your brand. Yeah, so make sure you send it to us. Yeah, so we can send check it you to out. us. We'll, we'll definitely check it out and uh, and see what you're talking about. And we would love to maybe follow up with you and, and talk about uh, the successes or failures that you've had along the way and give advice where we can and maybe we can learn from you too. So thanks a lot. All right, this uh, next voicemail comes from Jack. Hey, David, Tripp, and Tony. Uh, my name's Jack, and I've been a fan, I mean, enthusiast of your podcast for a few months or so. Um, ever since I wanted to know more what DJs were doing behind the decks, so that's why I checked out your guys' podcast. And uh, I have a question about uh, a show I saw in Miami in March. Uh, it was Maceo Plex at Trade, and there was this one track by uh, Luisa called uh, Ready. But uh, his version had like a more digestible and danceable beat going on in the background while the track played. Um, is there like something where like DJs take like a stock beat and put it in the background, or did he probably just have his own edit where there was like more of a beat to it so that it worked better for a club? Um, thanks so much for the answering the question in the show. Um, and hopefully I'll be able to uh, meet some of you guys at that Green Velvet show in August. Thanks a lot. All right, Jack. Uh, yeah, for those who don't know, Tony, uh, Tony's company, Three Dimensional Entertainment's bringing Green Velvet to town. Yes, sir. That's a big deal. Yeah, definitely introduce yourself, Jack. Yeah, so you must be another fellow Daytonian or somewhere at least not too far away. So uh, welcome to the podcast. Glad to have you as a listener. It sounds like you're kind of just wondering more. You want to know more about what it is that DJs do and what's happening up there. You know, while what what is it that the crowd's dancing to? What's the DJ's job? Uh, great question. You come to the right place. Um, <laughs> I think this is the first time we've had a, a specific question from a non-DJ. So that's pretty cool. Right, and he was talking about Maceoplex. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. We we just saw Maceoplex yes. a few weeks ago. Great taste, Jack. On, I'm not sure about the specific case that you're talking about in this Maceo Plex set. You could be right. Either one of your suggestions could be right. He could be using a special edit that he had prepared ahead of time or a remix or something like that. Or it could be something that was done live or, or you know, it could just been the incoming track that was, you know, coming out from or the either the outgoing track or the incoming track. So it, there could be a number of things that are happening here. But to more specifically answer your question, yes, that that is a thing where some DJs will take what you call a stock beat, but could be a drum loop, could be uh, 
Tractor, for example, which is the software that I use to DJ and Tony uses as well, supports a feature called Remix Sets, which is basically what you're talking about. It's, you know, several different loops that you can layer on top of the actual sort of normal live tracks that you're playing. It's important to note that there are a lot of different types of DJing. So if you are just for example, the traditional method would have been taking one record on the left side, queuing up the record on the right side, and mixing those together in some way, and progressing from one track to another. The complete opposite end of that is a, in an entirely live setup where you might be using synthesizers, drum machines, you know, maybe tying those into some sort of DJ rig and doing live finger drumming or whatever it is. So you could, you know, a, a specific DJ could be doing just about anything up there, including just hitting play on a CD and letting the whole set play, right? We talked about that a few episodes ago. I would not accuse Maceoplex of such a thing. Um, so, it, you know, it's kind of hard to answer specifically, but yes, that is absolutely a thing. I know that, uh, for example, when, when Tony plays, he uses a lot of loops and effects and puts those on top of, you know, tracks that are playing and uses those to kind of make custom what you might call a custom edit like a live edit and to do builds and breakdowns and different things kind of on the fly that did not exist in the original track Um, and the cool thing about that is you can when you know how to do that kind of stuff at will it helps you in the sense of timing right so instead of kind of trying to predict when a song's build up or breakdown will happen at the right moment it kind of puts you in charge of that you can grab a loop and let it ride for a while or you could use a a remix set or you could use a uh, a third track or however you want to accomplish this in my case a lot of times if there's a long breakdown and i don't want to kill the energy i'll have a loop going and it'll keep going while the breakdown's playing maybe some strings or some melody or whatever but the beat keeps going so that dancers don't have to stop and uh so there are a lot of tactics that djs will use you know for that purpose i can't answer the specific question you know in this case but Mm -hmm. Any thoughts on that? Um, you could use the uh, the terminology. There's a million ways to skin a cat when it comes to DJing. Absolutely. Um, and you described about nine hundred thousand of them. <laughs> um, you know, when I was playing records in ninety two, ninety three, I saw a guy. He he put on our pick three. He did. Uh, it was "Don't Stop the Rock" and the Jive One Twenty Two beat that I mm. love. You know, it was the first time that I had saw something like that, and then I we started doing more and more with an instrumental of one song with, you know, overlaying with the other song as well and giving it a whole nother feel. Well, that was back then when you had two 12 inches. Now that you have all the loops, the effects and, and, and things like that. Yeah. There's a million different ways to do it. You could throw on, you know, the acapella with a good, four beat loop or an eight beat loop what what whatever there's a million ways to do it maceoplex every time that i have seen maceoplex play i see cdjs out there i don't yeah. think i've ever saw a computer so but you know if he used record box he set all of his loops and had cue points and things like that there's a possibility that he could have done it that way loop or in uh, what's that was it the RMX? The R, uh, yeah, the RMX one thousand. Yeah, the I think FX processor. Yeah, could be something like that. Yeah, he could have, you know, had some 
some edits or he could have had just that one song his own edit because a lot of those guys do do that you yeah know, they want their own special one so they throw some they throw something together real quick and or it could have been a remix or edit that you just happen to have not have heard before or like, has not know. yet been released yep could have been next in line and beat port or could have been promo only or you know who knows so the answer is anything could have been happening up there. I, right. I know that's not the answer you're looking for, <laughs> but but hopefully that kind of gives you an idea of what's going on up there. You know, the, the way that I play, I I'm somewhere in between the I, I I don't do a lot of live stuff. I've been toying with that though. Mm-hmm. I've been kind of playing with my machine studio and you know kind of thinking about that a little bit. But when I play li- uh, when I play in front of an audience, I kind of still have your basic track a into track b and try to base everything around that track selection but i you know grab the occasional loop and stuff and try to keep things moving yeah there's just there's so many ways there's so many things that a dj could be doing up there um you know the traditional way is bring you know slam that or not slam but slide the crossfader from the left side to the right side as as everything's matched up and they flow together and everything's beautiful um you know we just don't know in any specific case um but uh, if you are interested in DJing and learning a little bit more about that, obviously, please subscribe to the show. Um, and you're also welcome to check out an article I put together a while back called How to Become a DJ, The Ultimate Guide. You can get that at passionatedj.com forward slash how to DJ. That's an ever evolving article. So I try to always update it. So if you read anything in there that doesn't make any sense, uh, I would appreciate some feedback, actually, so that I can go and improve that and keep on making it a better resource for all of you passionate DJs. So I think that's going to about wrap it up for this episode. I thank you guys so much. Hopefully we'll get Trip back in here one of these days. He's out there slacking. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he is. And, uh, yeah, Green Velvet, man. We'll we'll see you there. Yeah, Jack, come up. Uh, I'm actually playing right before Green Velvet, so if you get a chance, come up and say hi. Yep, absolutely. We'd love to meet you, man. And uh, for the rest of you, we'll be back next week with episode 51. You guys take care. See you. Thanks for listening to the Passionate DJ Podcast at www.passionatedj.com. Check out the fan page at facebook.com slash passionatedj or on Twitter at DJ with Passion. And always remember to keep on spinning. I'm Morgan Freeman, and I sure do love electronic music. I would be so honored to be on your show. So if you could, please call me back at 1-800-FREEMAN. Goodbye.